the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, episode 144. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now on to the show. Happy new year. Happy new year. Yay. <laughs> our it's favorite. So, it's my, it's my favorite freaking day of the year. January 1st. It's like the turning of that page, the last day of the year and the first day of the year. And I got to tell you what, Sandra, way different than it used to be. (laughs) Oh God. Right. Right? I was thinking about that like five years ago, how I felt. I was all alone on a beach, parched, (laughs) picking my word for the year, like a sad little girl. And this year, nope. Totally Mm. different. What a difference five years in recovery makes. Yeah. No kidding. Like mine are all even just a blur really. Mm. I mean, like, I don't even remember, you know, one moment of even attempting to be intentional about anything. Um, just probably, you know, trying not to peeve. (laughs) So yeah, they are blurry. I don't recall I mean, I do recall that I would go to a yoga class every year on New Year's Day. See, that's always impressed me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I get why you would do that, but. um, To beat myself up, but uh, don't be impressed. (laughs) Yeah. It was more just like punishing myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I remember those mornings, uh, but I don't really remember the the New Year's Eves. Mm -mm. Just kind of a, they all blend together. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I remember, yeah, I I think New Year's Day was always just about continuing the party, you know, Mm. because it was still a holiday. I also remember when I started seeing dry Januaries, the the idea of a dry January come up on like social media and just shut that down, rolling my (laughs) eyes and saying, not me. Who are these people? You guys don't have your kids until the 8th of January. Like, you know, (laughs) rock on with your, with your healthy selves. (laughs) Not doing that. Right. I never, I never really heard of dry January until I got sober. I did. I did. 
I, it came up on my radar maybe a couple of years before I got mm. sober. And I just remember thinking, well, that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I couldn't even fathom that. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, I was doing um, the January cure every year, which was my neurotic. That was, I count that as very much like being uh, leading me up to sobriety was like getting up at two twenty in the morning. Right. And then just organizing my spice cabinet, cleaning out my desk drawers, cleaning out my junk drawer, um, going in the laundry room and doing the cabinet in there. Like I was doing crazy things in the middle of the night um, because I didn't feel settled. I didn't feel right. I, I knew I was leaving myself all the time with alcohol. So I was trying to put order to the physical home. Mm-hmm. Um, when I needed to put order to the the home inside me and I wasn't right. ready to do that. And so I, I think that's uh, looking back, I look at those January cures through apartment therapy, um, that they were leading me to myself, I think in a weird, weird way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they've helped. I've done them for eight years. I'm not doing it this year. I, I know. I don't, I don't feel like I need to, I, I'm going to do other things. I did mine, um, leading up to this move. I think I was thinking yeah. about that the other day. I was like, I have gone through every single thing in my house and if, and I knew it would feel good, like reflecting on it. It certainly wasn't fun in the moment, right? but reflecting on it, it's kind of like, oh, I can take a sigh. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've already done that now, yeah. you know, there's probably more that can be edited and organized, but yeah, we'll get to that later. Did I tell you that? Um, I think that our remodel is going to be done sooner than we thought. I, I know we thought, um, August, but they're saying no, probably April, which to me <gasps> says may, but right. yeah. Oh, great. Cause may is such, there's nothing going on in may. Right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> may is that month of the year that I think has a million days in it. Um, right. But the, I think the upside to it being in May is that um, I may not have any travel plans in May because yeah. we've got lots of travel plans this year. Yeah. So, um, vague-ish, but happening. And, Me too. Uh, and, you know, so at least May can be about whatever, surviving and moving back into our house. But yeah, well, I mean, it's really f- future tripping. <laughs> Well, you're allowed. You're allowed to have a future trip every once in a while. Um, so we're only a couple days into the month. Um, when this airs, um, well, today, while we're recording it, it is my 59th month of continuous sobriety. Woo. Next month, you know, I know this is talk about future tripping. This is what made me think of it. That'll, you know, um, it'll be five years. And so That's I- so I'm exciting. Get through this next month and do good things and nourish and take care of myself. Um, but- we're just a few days into the year and there's already some very exciting stuff happening. There so, really is. Yeah, it our really friends, is. right? Our friends have books coming out. Yeah. And I'm super excited. And so uh, Laura, I was reading her book a little ahead of time. Her publisher sent a PDF um, and reading We Are the Luckiest by Laura McCowan. Yes, and I do we not both, have it yet, but it's coming. Yeah, and then we both got books from Holly's publisher, um, quit like a woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited to read that. I haven't totally dug in. I started it, but I need to dig in and make some time for it. Yeah. I'm about halfway through her book, but I have to go back and start over from the very beginning because. Yeah, share. 
so uh, Holly is coming to Austin um, on her book tour. She's coming to book people. And I have been asked to facilitate her um, book event at book people on February 26th. And I am so excited. I'm, I'm so excited for you. Chris from Sandsbar is going to be there uh, serving up some mocktails. It's going to be like a party. It is going to uh, be a party. And we're going to record it yes. for the podcast. I will be there in spirit. Oh, I wish I friend. could be there so bad. Wish but... you could be there. It's a little yeah. short notice. Um, My husband's but... in another country, so I have to be home. But I so wish I could be there. Right. Yeah, yeah, that would, yeah, that's a, that's you're going to represent one. for the pod and for, I'm going to um, represent, I'm mm. going to represent, but so, right. So now I have to start over, Holly. I have to start over with your book, <laughs> with my pen and sticky notes mm -hmm. and, um, low research, make an annotated version. Yeah. I can't wait. I think that's so cool that she asked you to do that. I'm feeling pretty, um, right. it's still sinking in. It's still sinking in. I'm right. very honored though. So honored. Can't wait. To, can't wait. So book people in Austin is like Powell's in Portland, right? It's a right. big freaking it's our big, deal. It's a big freaking bookstore. It's the independent bookstore. Laura's uh, book tour is also coming to book people. Awesome. I believe on the February 14th. 13th or 14th 13th okay. I think so I think it's the day before Valentine's Day so this is so cool Sandra it is as it should be I mean Holly and Laura brought us all together I think yeah we wouldn't know each other you and I would other. not know each other if it weren't for them yeah yeah it was like um I love how all the things are intersecting and watching all the women from the original home podcast Facebook group how we're just blooming and rippling this positive effect out into the world. And I love it. And I love it so much. And I am, um, I've been watching some, you know, some things online that have been a little controversial about Holly's book. And I got to tell you, I want no part of that. None. No, mm -mm. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm here I'm not playing to su that. support, uh, everyone. Yep. Um, no matter how you get to the shore, right? Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Whether you swim or you, you take, take a dinghy, the, take the dinghy <laughs> right. or you ride on the back of a shark. However right. you get to shore, just get there. Right. And so, I think that, I think yeah. that that's what you and I talk about on the show. That's all the different women we have on the show that have different ways that they got there. That's what we're interested in. And that's what we've been doing since day one is I want to hear that story so that someone yeah. out there that's listening can perhaps have that resonate with them. And um, I have no interest in saying why I think this is better than that's better than that's better. zero. Mm -mm. So I really appreciate our listeners. I notice how beautiful our podcast community is and yes. um, our Facebook group, our secret Facebook group with women in there and the conversations that have been happening and the support. And I'm very proud of that group and of our listeners in general. Like it seems like we're just attracting a really beautiful uh, community and I'm grateful yes. for it. Same. And if it sounds like a place you'd like to be, mm -hmm. just, um, we're on Facebook. It's a secret group, so you can't Google search it. Um, but you can, uh, send us a message on Facebook and we will add you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know that the, that whole, um, 
beginning of how we all found each other is just striking me as so um, a miracle, I guess. I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's a miracle. It feels yeah. like um, the fact that we found each other and we were like life rafts, you know, we are life rafts for one another. And I think that that's just been um, a really important part of my recovery has been my, the online digital recovery spaces. And of course I love in real life. There's nothing like it. You know, it's pretty magical as well, but, mm -hmm. um, but the, 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 how we found each other, I'll never forget. I'll be eternally grateful. And for me, that was finding Laura and Holly on Instagram a long time ago right yeah. when they both were first getting sober and I was thinking about it. So yeah, I I'm so happy for you, Sandra. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. Um, okay. Well, we need to get to the intro. We're going on and on. Yes. Um, we're okay. going to do an episode next week. That's going to do be all about our new year's evolution, about our and words we'll for get, the year. Right, and, and we'll get to go on and on. <laughs> we'll go on and on then. <laughs> Should we promote something, anything yes. real yes. quick? I'm going to promote uh, my groove email course. It's an 11 day email course for the curious beginner. And uh, it's on sale right now. If you use code groove 2020, um, it will, uh, take 20% off and they can find that on my website, which if you're listening on SoundCloud, there's a link for both Sandra and my websites in SoundCloud. Um, but it's TammySolace.com and yeah, I signed up for that. Okay. And, um, you? I am, as this airs, it will be finished and I am currently finishing a very short and sweet, um, little course that's called the spark. Um, when I was thinking about change your story and the clients that I've worked with, um, this in 2019, um, you know, they all came to me kind of knowing exactly what they wanted to work on. Some, some, at least they had a loose idea and, um, and, and oftentimes they came with an idea and we ended up doing some working on something completely different or the thing that they thought they wanted to create turned into something else. Mm -hmm. Um, but I started to think about the person who, you know, hears me talk about changing your story, but they don't even know where to start. They don't right. even know what stories they even want to change. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, came up with this, I'm writing, I'm finishing up writing this very small course that kind of takes you through, um, a series of, um, through a series of like anecdotal stories and, 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 you know, some simple assignments, some simple writing assignments, um, a way to sort of figure out what your spark of creative curiosity is. And hopefully that will help you, um, you know, give you something to follow. I love that. I like that it's called Spark too. That's perfect. Yeah. You kind of ignite something, right? Right. Been thinking about it, you've been, you know, yeah, dare yourself to go ahead and just start. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that will be also on my site. Um, there'll probably be a whole page for it, but I will put it in the top, uh, bar. As soon as you okay. get to my site, the you'll be able to click on that, um, to get to more information about how to sign up. Perfect.
Yeah. And both of us were chatting earlier, just real quick for both of the programs, the Groove and the Spark, there's going to be a discount for future programs for us. Is that fair yes. to say? Yeah. Yes. So like in mine, you'll get $50 off my proof of life course, which is going to launch in February. And for you, Sandra, you have a, a you're going to discount your change. Your yeah. Story, there will right? be a discount co code for change your story. So if you get through the spark and you're like, okay, I figured out something that I really want to work on and now I want to dive in, there will be a discount code for um, signing up to work with me one-on-one -on -one and change your story. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Look at us. We're just busy Look at the at beginning us. of the year. That always happens. Yep. We get like, yeah supercharged at the beginning. I love it's it. It's true. It's like all of that downtime. Yeah. The downtime is what recharges I charges us, what I need to, to recharge and get really, yeah, excited and inspired. Yeah. Well, I think our guest today is going to inspire a lot of people too. I she agree. is amazing. I love, love, love this talk. So let's Same. introduce her. Yeah, so today we have on the podcast, Laura Tully, and Laura is uh, from our secret unruffled Facebook group. She is a yeah. member, and um, we are loving sharing and supporting these women, yeah. and through these interviews, um, Laura is originally from Iowa. She lived in a small town in the mountains of Northern Arizona for all of her adult life. She has lived. I don't know if I said that right. Laura is the deputy director of a nonprofit teen center, fulfilling her passion of community service and her desire to be a caring and supportive adult to the youth in her community. She is also an adjunct professor at the small liberal arts college where she earned both her undergraduate and master's degrees. Yeah. And with two years of continuous sobriety at the age of 28, Laura has made recovery the largest priority in her life. Um, she is in recovery from a poo-poo platter of addictions, including drugs, alcohol, self-harm, and an eating disorder. Um, she told us that the Unruffled podcast and community has been an instrumental part of her recovery from the very beginning. Mm. Yeah. And you can find her if you guys want to follow Laura on Instagram. She's at teetotalfull. No, no, teetotaltull. It's T-E-E. T-O-T-A-L-T-U-L. Um, we'll have that in the show notes when you guys are looking yes. for that. Um, so yes, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I thought it was really, really good. And I just loved everything she had to say. And I think, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Yeah, y'all enjoy, Laura. Hey, Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Good morning. Hi. Did you have any crazy dreams about us? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, not a specific question. How did I'm, you know? I'm not leading the witness at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I kept having dreams that I was trying to record with you guys, but my family kept stopping me. And I feel like that's probably has a deeper meaning that I will exploring therapy. <laughs> right. Just put that one in your pocket for totally. later. Yeah. Just jot that uh -huh. down real uh -huh. quick. But it's funny because the when I first got sober, I kept having dreams about Sandra. That's so funny. Right. I, I wrote that too. down and I read that. Yeah, I just read that and that's hilarious. Yeah. It, you kept showing up and taking drinks out of my hands or inviting me to do something else instead mm -hmm. of drinking. Aww, That's I a very it. aggressive sponsor. That's just like, 
again, like sponsor in your pocket or something. You know, I just like show up and go, no, let's make a different choice. I, I could see Sandra marketing this and the outfit that she wore, she recovers like with all the pink tools. She's right? like a fairy God sponsor or something, you know, and she just shows up and she's like, I'll take that, sweetie. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll just, you just like slide into the room, like, grab the drink. Redirect, <laughs> right. Just redirect you towards the seltzer, like a toddler or something. Mm-hmm. We're going this way. Oh, well, isn't it like my dream life is super vivid when I stopped drinking. So yeah, I, I get that. And it still is. It still is when I have those dreams, but well, we're, we're here today and and there's no dream here, Laura. Thank you. This is real life. Yeah. Thanks for submitting um, your answers to our five questions on our secret Facebook page. Um, It's been fun to chat with our listeners and kind of hear your stories and, and everybody's been super different. And, and really cool. So what, tell our listeners where, you know, we like to do this in the beginning. Like tell them where you're talking to us from. I am in Prescott, Arizona. So it's a Northern mountain town in Arizona. And is it snowing there? Um, not currently, but it not is currently. like 30 degrees. Wow. Isn't there an outdoor school there? Um, oh, is there like a, like an outdoor school. university? <laughs> okay. <laughs> We have a Prescott College is like a very environmental. That, that yes. Prescott That's College. Okay. You, yeah. Did you go to school there? Okay. Mm-hmm. I know someone who went to school there as well. She's quite mm-hmm. a bit older than you, but um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. We kind do have a hippie month. school, right? Totally. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. My cat is making noises behind me, but we're just going to have to roll with this. Okay. Yeah. Your cat <laughs> wants to be on the podcast again. That's all right. <laughs> I've locked my dog out. We might hear him soon too. So. Um, so Prescott, I used to drive through Prescott, um, coming home from Durango when I, w- I used to live in Durango, Colorado. So that kind of used to be the way we would come through. Yeah. It's a nice town and you've lived there most of your life. Yeah. I moved here when I was 19. So I've been here almost 10 years now. Wow. Oh, okay. So let's get to it. Um, these five questions that we asked of our listeners, um, we're kind of like a little template so that we could kind of, you know, since we didn't know you guys or hadn't followed your work, um, although I did research you, um, we wanted to let our listeners know, when is your sobriety date? When, what is um, that date? It's October 9th, 2017. So today I'm two years, two months and two days sober. Oh, <gasps> all the twos. I know. I like cool. it. Oh, that makes me very happy, Laura. As this is as it should be. Yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And what about, um, well, congratulations. That's a big, yes. big milestone. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so the next question is like, what can you like briefly describe how you came to the decision to quit drinking? Yeah. What did that look like for you? Um, so it was the summer of 2017. I was 26 years old. Um, and I, was working in my nonprofit job that I have now. And then I was also bartending and I kind of, I had become pretty addicted to cocaine and um, drinking excessively. So I would, I was staying up like until 5.30 in the morning and then like sleeping for two hours and then going to work all day and then Um, getting off work and going to my restaurant job and then drinking there um, and just doing that over and over again. And I think I just got to the point where I had completely depleted my 
serotonin and dopamine through mm-hmm. drug use and I and not sleeping, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah not sleeping at all. Um, or eating. Um, mm. and so I think I just got so like sad that I had, I made a plan to just kill myself because I was like, I don't see a way out of this. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> that, that was, that was the solution. That was what you're like, this is the best thing that I can do. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really understand that I had an addiction. Um, I didn't see it like that. So it didn't seem like there was a solution to it at all. Um, and then, so I called out of work one day because I had been up doing cocaine all night and I ended up, um, it was like six thirty in the morning and I was on my, I lived in a tiny studio and I was on the bathroom floor. It was like classic bathroom floor moment. And I, um, ended up cutting myself pretty badly. And so I called into work and I was like, I can't work today. And my boss who has been like a pretty close friend and ally to me knew something was up. Um, and so she called me and she was, she said, I'm worried about you. And I was like, whatever, I'm fine. And she said, will you please go see my friend that's a therapist and just like talk to her for a little bit. And so I was like, okay, fine. This is my last ditch effort. And if she, if this therapist doesn't have anything to say, then I'll kill myself the next day. Mm. Um, And I went to see her and I was so angry just at the world. And I sat down on her couch and she um, just kind of, she was like, Laura, you're kind of a textbook addict. And I was like, what? And she said um, that she had a way out if I was willing to take it. And um, I chose to believe her. And I called my mom and I told her what was happening. And my mom flew me home the next day. And then I stayed sober for 30 days um, that June after when I started seeing that therapist. And then I ended up getting a sake bomb tattoo after 30 days what? on my butt. <laughs> wait, 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 hold, stop. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. This is my mindset. I was like, I've been sober for 30 days. Clearly right. I'm not an alcoholic. Right. right. Let's, sure. let's celebrate. Yes, exactly right. So I was like, so my friend and I went and we had always planned on getting this sake bomb tattoo as a joke. And we were like, let's do it. That's so funny. And I was like, if I have alcohol permanently on my body, that proves Mm -hmm. that I am not an alcoholic. Right. Yes. And then I drank and did cooking that night and Mm -hmm. then kept doing that until October. And I was seeing that therapist the whole time and she was working with me and just, she just kept saying like, when you're ready, you'll stop doing cocaine and you'll stop drinking, but I'm not going to pressure you to do that by any means. It's not my job. And one day in October, I stayed up drinking and doing drugs all night and went to my restaurant job at 7.30 a.m. And I just felt so sick of myself. And like, I was like, I, why am I doing this? And I got off work and I had one beer at my 
the bar that I always went to and I drank it really slowly and by myself. And I knew that was my last beer. And then after that, mm. I stayed sober. Mm. Um, wow. in the, in the 30 days, Laura, that you, that, that first 30 days, mm-hmm. did you experience relief from your depression? Um, kind of, I started doing CrossFit during that time. Mm. And so I was like working out a bunch and being healthy, but I kind of thought of it as like a, um, like a cleanse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, I feel great. Now I can start drinking again. Right. I th- I'm asking that because I this is what I always find so interesting is when you are getting sober or or attempting to, it's really hard to untangle what causes what, right? Totally. What what comes first, <laughs> the chicken or the egg? Mm-hmm. And you can't sometimes you cannot figure it out until you untangle it all. Um, that's why, you know, it doesn't surprise me when you were surprised that you had an addiction problem because you probably thought, no, I have a depression problem Mm -hmm. and I'm medicating it this way. Totally. It's the solution. Alcohol is the solution to that. Or you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And not that, not that when we remove substances, does our depression or what anxiety or whatever just magically go away. Um, But the substances will always exacerbate it, even though we were in denial of that. Totally. Yeah. So when you were sitting there and that was, you knew that was your last beer. I have a friend that had that kind of experience. Like this is going to be it. You know, I didn't, I didn't know my last drink was my last drink, but I have a friend that didn't. So like you, you're sitting there and it's like this deep, profound, um, knowing, Mm -hmm. right. I'm so glad that you got there though. Right. Yeah. Like that, the path and how you did it and, t- and with the therapist and that your friend told you to go to the therapist, like mm-hmm. your path is pretty beautiful that it led you to that moment. Yeah. A lot of wild that day that I had planned to kill myself, a lot of wild synchronicities happened. Mm. Like weirdly, there was a woman that was, she does psychic readings that comes to the restaurant that I worked at. Mm-hmm. And I had, I was like, I'm going to talk to her. So I sat down with her. And the first thing she said to me was, are you going to kill yourself? And Mm. I was like, whoa, whoa, what? And she was like, I just had a feeling that you're planning on killing yourself. And I was like, yeah, that's the plan. And then, Mm. so her and I talked about it the same day that I saw that therapist for the first time. And it was just kind of like a bunch of different little things lined up Mm. that the universe was like, Hey, stay here. It can get better. Wow, Laura. Mm. I love, so I'm just learning about synchronicities and paying attention and getting tapped into signs and things. And it's, you just gave me goosebumps all over the place. Yeah. That's been my favorite thing about sobriety so far is like watching for the synchronicities. Same. Mine too. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like magic and I know that sounds to uh, maybe to some people just complete hyperbole, but it's 
It's true. And, and I always think, you know, have these things been happening all along? And I, mm-hmm. I'm convinced that they have been. I just wasn't, I just didn't see them. Mm-hmm. We weren't clear, right? When we're putting poison in our body and taking drugs or doing, you know, or numbing out like we were, you can't, you can't be that present. Like I am fully no. present now and I can see these things. And um, I've heard it described as like a secret language of the universe, right? Like this thing is going on. You just have to be tapped in. You have to be aware. And yes, Andre, I think it has been there all along. I just, I just never could see it, but it's pretty freaking cool mm-hmm. <laughs> now that I can, and I can't not see it. You know what I mean? We can't turn it off now. Yeah. I don't feel that I, I can. Think of like how um, Hansel and Gretel went into the dark forest and they left breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. And I think that like when I was going like deep into my addiction, I was leaving myself little breadcrumbs, but I just didn't know that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like finding my way back out of the dark forest by following the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. I was just, when I was talking to a client the other day and she was, we were both talking about like finding like little books and that we didn't know we had or notes that we'd written that we didn't remember writing and things like that. And I was telling her, yeah, it's like, we've, we left our future self, these little clues, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we're just that, like, I found a, I found a, a, like a women's um, daily reflections book on my shelf when I was about a year sober. And I was like, where did, where, how did that get here? I don't, don't even, I don't remember buying it. I don't remember putting it on my bookshelf. i sure I opened it and said, Oh, Oh, this, that's interesting. This is actually about addiction <laughs> and probably put it right back on the shelf. Not but for me. <laughs> right. But it was like, I was leaving my future self, these little, these little clues, mm-hmm. these little gifts. So interesting. It's the, when I was 27 is when I started drinking in full force, Laura. Mm-hmm. So when I look back at that and look at the book, Sandra too, cause sometimes I would put dates in my book when I would buy them. And, um, that year I bought myself, it was, I, I just got divorced that year. And, uh, I bought myself a return to love by Marianne Williamson and uh, a Yanla Van Zant's book, um, In the Meantime. Mm-hmm. And then I, I read a Yanla's book, but I never read A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. And it sat there on my bookshelf and I'd pack it and go, every time I moved, you know, it would be there. And so it was funny, like you're saying, Sandra, like you find it and you're like, you're, if I would have just maybe dug into that book or even opened it, <laughs> you know, would my life be different? I don't know. I don't know if a book can do that, but um, I mean, I know it has the possibility, but I love it. The future, these clues, these breadcrumbs like that you, that you left mm-hmm. for yourself. I love that you're finding your way. That's a beautiful metaphor. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful metaphor. So after you got sober, I know that you have other things to address, right? We all have these things that we get to take a look at. And can you share with us about, about um, what you uncovered after you got sober? Yeah. So I got sober from cocaine and alcohol basically the same day. Um, and then I was doing okay for a few months. And then I realized that, well, now looking back in my second year of sobriety, I realized that I was, um, I stopped eating almost completely. And then 
And I was like, oh, that's fine. It's normal um, for people not to eat. And also like, there's a lot of like jargon just as women in general, but then also in the sobriety world of like, oh, you're sober. You're going to lose a bunch of weight is I heard that constantly. Like, oh, you're going to, you're going to bring down because you're not drinking anymore. And or you hear, eat whatever you want, you know, like the, op- the opposite. Yeah. I'm not drinking calories anymore. Um, so I kind of just took that and started numbing my feelings by not eating. And then I started, um, well, I had been bulimic since I was in high school, but on and off. And then I started throwing up again and I was like, oh, this again. Mm-hmm. And my therapist was then explained to me <laughs> that my eating disorder was my primary addiction. And somewhere along the way, my eating disorder stopped working for me the way that it was working. And then I started drinking and then I started doing drugs because they each kind of stacked on top of each other to keep myself numbing out when they all stopped working. So now then I have to go back the other way to heal. Okay. I'm not doing drugs and alcohol, but now I'm going to have to go back down the ladder and heal the eating disorder. And this whole time that you were, were you working with this therapist the whole time in your sobriety? I would, did you do any other things to help you stay sober that first year before you could address this? Yeah, I was working with the therapist that first initially got me sober. And then I met this woman who became a sponsor for me. Mm-hmm. But I never really went to AA. I met my sponsor. I went to a training on ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, mm-hmm. in Phoenix for my job. And my coworker was talking to this woman and he had forgotten his business cards and I handed her mine and I said, um, you know, you can email me and I will pass it on. And she was like, okay, great. And then two days later I was sitting in the parking lot of my work and I was texting my friend and I said, um, okay, I'm sober. Um, and now my eating disorder has come back up and I just like, don't know where to go from here. And I said, so now what? And I kind of left it at that. And then I went into work and an hour later, I got an email from this woman from the training and the email read, it was, a, she said, this is an event I'm putting on. I don't know if anyone at your organization would be interested, but I thought I'd pass it on to you. And the flyer said, you got sober. Now your eating disorder started again. Shut now, up. What? Wow. I, God. God. I have, I have goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And so I just like, I immediately picked up the phone and I called this woman and I was, I was like, you're going to think I'm crazy. But I screenshotted the text I just sent to my friend that literally verbatim just said this. Mm. And she was like, oh my, oh my gosh, like, that's amazing. And she shared with me that she'd been sober for 12 years at the time or 13 years. And, and I was like, I'm three months sober or four months sober. And I was like, I'm really struggling. And she said, we'll come to this event and we'll talk. And so I went to the event. I drove down to Phoenix, which I was terrified to do. It's two hours away. And I never did anything by myself. So I got up the courage to do this. And then we had lunch and we sat there and talked for 
two hours and her story was just like my story. Mm. And I was like, I really want to work the steps, but I don't, I'm scared to go to AA meetings because I'm so shy. And she was like, well, I'll work the steps with you. So then I started going down to Phoenix to work the steps with her. every oh. weekend. Wow. That is, you're, because you were willing to go to any lengths. You were willing to, to drive two hours to go meet a woman. To totally well, explore. and the fact that wow. you, you know, you prayed for a, a sign or a, mm-hmm. a message or, or a guide and you received one, it's almost like you can't ignore those things no. <laughs> because I mean, a piano is going to fall on your head if you do, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. like, okay, thank you. Um, I would also like a million dollars. Right. <laughs> Let's start channeling some of this stuff. Right. <laughs> you get what you need. <laughs> my God. I, feel, I feel so powerful though when I can direct my thinking and I can, um, whether that's, you know, making conscious contact with a higher power or something greater than myself or the woo or the whatever, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I have superpowers mm-hmm. and it's just like what I'm aware of or what I'm willing to accept or what I'm willing to take in that maybe I wasn't before or assigning meaning. I I love to assign meaning to things. And I don't know, sometimes that's good for me. And sometimes that's not so good for me. But in this instance, Laura, like, wow, you got, you got, you, it was like divine. (laughs) You're like, let's get open this email and have it say exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. It was, that was maybe the most wild experience of my life. No kidding. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So how do you address that? Because I know from chatting with a friend and a former guest on our show, that eating disorder, it's, it's not like um, sobriety from alcohol, right? Like we can stop drinking alcohol. You can stop <laughs> yeah. taking drugs, but you can't stop eating. Yeah. So that's just really deep and that's got to be really hard um, to work on. So how, how do you navigate that? Yeah. Brene Brown wrote something that was like, you can stop doing drugs and you can stop drinking, but eating disorders are like a tiger in a cage in your living room and you have to open the cage three times a day or mm-hmm. however many times And a day. walk the tiger, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started going to a therapist who I, I knew at the, <laughs> my old therapist recommended a therapist in Phoenix for me that was her colleague. And I interviewed her on the phone and I, I said, I, had a, I have an eating disorder and I really want to work on it. And she was like, cool, I'm an eating disorder therapist. And I was like, great. Um, but then I, once I started seeing her, I refused to talk about my eating disorder. And I was like, no, I already healed that. And she was like, okay, interesting. Um, and then finally, one day she was like, what are you eating? And I, she had me keep a food journal for a week. And I honestly thought that it was a normal amount of food. Um, and she was like shocked by how little I was eating. And I, it was kind of scary for me because I was like, I honestly did not think I had a problem and I didn't know how much I should be eating. So my therapist asked me, to see a dietitian who I've been seeing for almost a year now. And she helped me create a meal plan. And 
she was like, this is actually what your body needs as like how old you are, how active you are. Um, and we had to build up to what I'm eating now slowly. Um, but it's been a really kind of crazy process in a way. It's like way, I feel like food represents like almost everything. My old professor does like this trick where she makes you write about food and like how you feel about food. And then she says, change all the, all the food in the sentences to life. Mm -hmm. And and she's like, and that's how you feel about your life. Like if you're restricting food, you're restricting your life. If you're rejecting food, you're rejecting life. Um, it's been a really wild process mm. to like uncover each layer. But you're doing that work, Laura. It sounds like you have dug in. I can't, I mean, we're going to get to talk about creativity here soon, but just you have in every aspect, it seems like you've totally been willing to explore and go deep and do the work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what does that look like right now for you? So right now at two years of sobriety, what does that look like that you're doing just so uh, for our listeners to know, because it's not sometimes I know we can say like, Oh, fun. And and we make visual art and we're sober and we're great. And people think like, really that that's it. You know, no, there's so much more that's going on. And for you, if you could, if you don't mind sharing the work that you do behind all of this, could you, could you share? Yeah. So once a week I drive down to Phoenix and spend the day um, and I see my therapist, my dietitian, and then I also do a trauma yoga therapy session um, once in a while, but that, and then daily I have to track my food um, so I can be sure that I'm eating enough. And I started going to a, my, see my primary physician every month. And now she put me on um, medication, psychiatric medication, which I was like so resistant to for a long time because I was like, no, I'm sober. Like I can handle this by myself. Mm-hmm. But then I realized I was like, well, you were self-medicating for a reason so maybe you could let an expert actually prescribe you medication that will help you. Um, and that's helped a lot because I'm doing like a lot of trauma work in therapy and I just wasn't able to go there before, but then now she put me on an anti-anxiety and a anti or a antidepressant. And now I'm able to like kind of sit with the feelings and like settle down more to do the work of like the trauma work. That's an interesting comment. I don't think I've ever heard anyone phrase it quite like that. You know, taking meds to enable you to, you know, go deep and work on that, that stuff that is underlying all of it because, and, and two, you know, I think you can look at it like it, it doesn't have to be forever either. This could be a temporary, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a temporary, um, technique or however you want to phrase that, um, to be able to do this work and, you know, and heal that part that Mm -hmm. obviously the medication isn't going to heal. It's going to allow you to do the healing yourself. Yeah. I was, and I was so worried because I think we just have this like stigma against psychiatric meds Mm -hmm. and 
a lot of people have ideas about like what psychiatric meds look like in sobriety, but um, my dietitian was like, Laura, if you go on anti-anxiety meds, grocery shopping might be easier. And like your food choices will be easier because your like obsessiveness around what food you're putting in your body will decrease. Mm. Every, all of my anxiety is bound up in what food I'm eating. Mm-hmm. And do and you so think, now, and have you noticed that helping? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so now I'm able to like, it's not as, in, food used to take me like hours every night to like actually make myself eat and to prepare it. And grocery shopping was like so terrifying. Um, but now I'm like, okay, I'm kind of starting to do things like a normal person, like getting mm-hmm. a cart at the grocery school store. I can do now. Right. Like, yeah. And oh. eating like a pop tart. I'm sure it's ex- exciting. Yeah. I'm sure you're <laughs> experiencing a little bit of freedom now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I'm like. It's not forever, but while I do this work and while I get used to it, that's it's, it's okay to have a little help. Yeah, for sure. Good for you. The word that just keeps popping up for me, Laura, for you is I keep thinking it is that um, you are the definition of willing to be willing. I think that all my helpers would not say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from this seat this morning, I can just see an open-mindedness and a willingness to kind of do what's necessary. Mm, Right. And obviously it's not just like it all boom, happen. That's why I wanted you to explain a little bit um, about all the tools and things that you're using to bring into your life to help support you in your recovery. Uh, But I just, you're, I guess what we talk about on here too, is like following our curiosity. And I think that, you know, you, you, you want to be well, like I want to be well, you're healing and, and it doesn't happen just magically. I know we were talking about magic earlier, but it doesn't, it takes work. It takes being willing to do the thing that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes the willingness comes from desperation. I mean, right. right? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't walk into any room just open and willing all the time, but if I'm desperate enough, then I'll, I'll get pretty willing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I love the piece of curiosity because I feel like that's such a big part of my recovery is just being curious about myself. And when I have a strong reaction or a huge, a big feeling, I'm like, Oh, okay, Laura, like, let's explore that. What's going on for you right now? Or, mm-hmm. um, and that's been so helpful for me just to like insert the pause and be like, okay, what's going on? How do you feel that in your body? Like, where is that showing up? How has that shown up before? Um, have you ever felt like, um, like as you're doing this work, I mean, you're very self-aware, obviously. Um, but have you ever felt like going back and saying, fuck it? Like, this is too much work? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, right before my two years, I, I know that it's pretty common to freak out during around anniversaries. But I was really considering... Um, just throwing in the towel and drinking again. Cause I was like, this is, I got kind of, I get like self pity sometimes. Cause I'm like, this is so much work to mm-hmm. just like survive on a, not survive, but like to just be a functioning human. Right. 
takes me a bit more work than your average human. And sometimes I get a little resentful of like, why can you just wake up and live? And I have to do all these steps. To you just want an unexamined cup of coffee, right? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but then I'm like, that's so, I love my life and I love how like, how I get to examine everything and tear everything apart and figure myself out. Like, I think it's become like figuring myself out and like learning about my addictions and sharing that with other people has become one of my greatest passions. So mm. I feel lucky too. On the flip side. Oh, well, that is a really, thank you for sharing that, all of that, because that is beautiful. I know, I know that people are going to benefit from hearing your story, Laura. Um, but what I want to turn to is because I know that creativity is a huge part of your recovery as well. And I was so inspired by reading about the work that you did. So what, what is your medium that you like to, um, to work in creatively? Well, um, I do, a, I mean, I kind of do a bunch of different things, but I, when I first got sober, I started doing little reflections every month in my journal and with just like colored pencil. And then that turned into doing these like elaborate collages with all different types of mediums. Like Mod Podge is my absolute favorite thing. But I fight with Mod Podge. We're going to talk later about that. Do you? <laughs> Off the air. I want to talk to you about Mod Podge. <laughs> the real talk. The after the show talk. Um. Yeah, so I, I'll write um, whatever I'm dealing with and then I'll print it out and cut it up and make new meaning out of the story that I created and then collage around that. And um, I recently, so everything, basically almost all the art that I'm doing right now is related to my recovery and I will... Deal, I'll be talking about something in therapy or they'll prompt me somehow. Like my dietician was like, draw your eating disorder. And I was like, okay, wow. And I ended up making this like cutout flip book almost where it's like the brain is on top and then you go deeper in and you see another level where it's like this girl is coiled in the snake under the brain. And then underneath that is like a picture of me when I was little with my mom. And then underneath that is another picture of me. And she was like, okay, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just thought you would draw a picture. Um, but it's been super helpful for me because I have a hard time talking in therapy about like what's actually going on. So I'll bring in these kind of elaborate art pieces and show them through my art of like, mm -hmm. this is how I'm feeling. Or these are, I recently bought Russian nesting dolls that I could paint mm. and I painted each one a different part of me and I showed them to my therapist and I was like, okay, these are the different parts. Like um, the smallest one is a just yellow and that's like my soul like i'm in at the end of the day i am like complete and whole and then the next one up is painted with little flowers and that's like 
the innocent part of me that's like very playful and childlike. And then the next one is that goes on top of the childlike one is spider webs. And it's like the sticky feeling of shame that like, so it's all covered in spider webs. And then the next one is a snake, which represents my eating disorder and like the snake in the grass kind of thing. Mm. On top of that is like red with these crazy like black splotches and that's like anger that's encompassing all of my addictions. And then on top of that one is the outside one where I did a bunch of different pieces, like a bunch of different triangles and all the triangles are um, different colors and some of them are intersecting with spirals. And so it's like how I'm trying to incorporate all the different pieces of me and bring them to like my whole person now. And so in therapy, we'll, I'll bring these nesting dolls and I'll say, um, I'll tell my therapist, like, I'll hold up the one with the spider webs and I'll be like, right now, like, I'm feeling super shameful and you have to talk to the person covered in shame. Or else I'll pull up, like, the flower one and be like, this is, like, the person that's showing up today and she'll be like, okay, we're going to play with, like, your innocence and your child, like, wonder and stuff like that. So it's been really fun. That's brilliant. Um, That's so cool too, that your therapist is willing to, you know, be flexible and communicate with you that in that way. Yeah. I feel really lucky. She's gotten, she never has a dull moment with me, I think, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she probably gets to learn so much from you and the work that you're doing. I love that you, you know, intuitively knew that you wanted to make art to kind of tap into this, to express your emotions of of what you were going through in your recovery. Mm -hmm. That's what worked for me too. And even now I've been doing a lot of these dream collages because they are telling me something, you know, and if I don't do it right when I wake up, it doesn't, it does, it leaves me. So Mm -hmm. I have to pay attention to that. But when you mentioned the snake and your eating disorder, um, I was just looking up in the, in this um, Kim Kranz's, animal spirit guidebook but they talk about the snake being a guardian of unawakened magic oh wow and and creative potential and the snake is a symbol of our highest potential so i know that's different than what you've assigned to it but i'm just saying i've been working on a fear inventory of snakes i've been seeing snakes um out in my yard um it's definitely been you know around so i'm trying to figure out what that means for me Mm -hmm. um but i like that you assigned meaning and what it means for you and that you, that Russian doll is a perfect metaphor for kind of um, what we're going through, yeah. you know, all the different layers of us. Uh, um, I love yeah, it. Yeah, like which one can, like they're all still a part of me and like in any given day one can come out, but I just have to ask it like, okay, what, what do you need? What is your need? Why do you need to come out right now? Yeah. Um, but the snake I love because I had, when she asked me to draw my eating disorder, I had this picture of this, of like this woman laying in a snake that's like all coiled up. Mm-hmm. And at first you're like, oh, wow, the snake's protecting her. And then when you go in closer, you see that the snake like wrapped around her neck mm-hmm. and is like slowly suffocating her. And so that's what we talk about a lot with my dietitian is like that it used to be my snake was um, protecting me. And then the protection became like slowly killing me because I actually don't need 
that protection anymore for my eating disorder. Mm. Yeah. Mm, that makes sense. Have you always been a, like a visual person visually, um, attracted to that kind of learning or communication? Yeah. My dad is an artist. So I grew up, um, going to different art openings every weekend and, um, his studio was in our basement. And so I would, he's a metal artist. So I, he's very visual and like everything is with his hands. And so I grew up kind of taking that on and learning to communicate through um, art kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel really lucky about. Yeah. Do you, do you consider yourself an artist, Laura? Or do you, a creative person? I mean, I, I mean, it sounds like you're just oozing with creativity. Yeah, I definitely, it's, I definitely think I'm a creative person. I have a hard time. My therapist is always like, oh, your art. And I'm like, oh, don't call it that. Um, because I don't, I think I like assign art with value, which mm-hmm. is not correct, but I have a hard time seeing like the value, like this, my art is not valuable to other people, but it's like my whole life for me. Um, yeah. yeah. And art makes it precious when we call it art, right? Right. <laughs> oh, it's, it's very, you know, like an art show or a gallery, like that's very precious and that can keep people from creating. But I love um, how you're doing it for your healing. Yeah. You know, it's such an important part um, of the work that we do. And when you, were you always doing this kind of, were you doing art before you got into recovery or before you stopped drinking? Um, was it anything I that was, you tapped into before? Yeah. Well, like when I was little, I was always creating different things. And then as I got into high school, I was really into art classes and um, things like that. And then I think while, when I started drinking heavily, I kind of stopped doing anything because I was so judgmental about it. And I, I was like, this is so self-indulgent. This is a waste of time. Like it's not productive. Um, and I still kind of struggle with that sometimes of like carving out an hour of my day where I just doodle in my notebook. And, and now I'm like, this is productive for me because I, that's how I connect to my higher power is like through drawing and through getting it on the page. Um, so I have to like rework my idea of what is productive and what is valuable and like it's not valuable to society and I'm not being productive to society but I am because I'm helping myself and then right, I right. go out and be a good person mm-hmm. that's like an old yeah that's an old story that comes up for me a lot too mm-hmm. well so you clearly are on this path and here you are you've hit your two-year milestone you didn't drink you um, dug in and did the work and you're still doing the work. And can you share with our listeners and with us about how you're thriving now? Like how, um, how is your life without these substances and addressing your eating disorder? Like how, how are you right now? I feel like I, I feel like my life has gotten so much bigger in sobriety and in recovery because my life used to be so small. Um, I would go to my job and then I would go to the same bar and then I would go home and I just like 
I lived in a bar and I lived in this tiny like area. And now my life has become expansive. I, in ways that I like really never imagined. Um, like how, tell us. Like how <laughs> I am, well, your podcast has brought me a huge community of really amazing women. Mm-hmm. And so now I can, I have friends in Phoenix and I have friends um, in France that like we all have this big group to chat and constantly throughout the day we're all talking and we're all over the country and I would have never talked to strangers a and then <laughs> right B, we met up last we met up in Austin last year and we met up in Scottsdale this year and I I was laughing the whole time each year because I was like we're having this like giant adult sleepover with no substances and I never imagined even really talking to people without drink a drink in my hand and now I'm like meeting all of these random internet strangers and having the time of my life and, and you're and now you're in your pajamas and you're all right. sleeping together on the, the same room yes it's like, weird bed head, bed head in the morning no bras yeah, yeah the whole well thing. and I, and I'm sure and I'm sure on the surface you know you are all probably pretty different right different mm-hmm. ages different occupations different interests but we all have our recovery in common but there's that thread yeah oh, so cool and it's wild how deeply you can just immediate or at least I can deeply drop into conversations like I mean not unlike we're doing today it's like with when you have that common thread I feel like you can just like immediately drop deeper and you have like a shared understanding of like okay let's like get into it we're not afraid to go to these places yeah, there's a, it really removes, um, and certainly not across the board, but it really kind of helps remove uh, the superficial uh, layer that getting to know someone, you know, like it's kind of like that just gets wiped off and we're like, okay, how long have you been sober? <laughs> What's your deal? You know, you can get to it. And that's why I think in real life connections um, are so important. Mm-hmm. And then we create these, like through the Unruffled podcast, um, our secret Facebook page, you know, we're finding out where people live, who's near each other. We just had someone this week um, that wanted to go to their first uh, 12-step meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was, um, you know, messaging me on Instagram and we were having a nice dialogue on Instagram. And I said, are you in the group? Because I think if you just put out like a little call, here's where I live. Does anybody want to, you know, anybody know of any women's meetings? And I was so happy she did that. She went on the page and did that. And then uh, someone's connecting with her right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it makes me so happy to, to know that we don't have to just be alone with ourselves, right? There is kind of some um, um, medicine in other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. I think that that, I mean, honestly, there's not much that breaks my heart more than hearing uh, someone say that they've been sober for a year and they don't have any in real life sober friends um because there's there's solutions for that you shouldn't shouldn't do it you shouldn't have to do it alone Mm -hmm. well that's why just going to meetings sometimes i know that that's not the be all end all for anybody or i don't want you don't have to accept the dogma of this or that just locking eyeballs with another human being another woman who shares my common problem um 
or our common problem, like it, it, there's, there's, again, there's magic in that. There's something that's really um, medicinal for me, not perfect, not maybe, you know, we're all human. So nobody is this perfect incarnation of sobriety, but at least like last night after my women's meeting, I went to tacos with three other ladies and we stayed out till 10. And if you guys know me, that's like two in the morning, basically. So that's what I did. And I was depressed and on the couch and not wanting to go to a meeting last night. And I had to go because my sponsor was the speaker. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I had to do that and to connect with other women lifted me up last night and got me out of my depression. Mm-hmm. No. So it was like, I feel like I'm so glad that you connected with them. Do you have a community locally with you or that I, you can connect with? Yeah, I have this. Um, it's pretty amazing. There's a lot of people I went to college with or, and I drank with in college are now getting sober. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so cool. It is really cool. So I have um, kind of this like amazing little magical community of like mid 20 um, women that we all kind of meet up and talk and, or just like send a text and be there. And my coworker is also sober. So I have like right next to me, a good buddy. And I feel really lucky that I feel like I have a lot of sober connections now. Absolutely. Um, are you in a relationship? Yes. <laughs> Do tell. So, um, yeah, I'm so I. Is your partner, well, yeah, just yeah. is your partner sober or do they, yes. does your partner drink? Okay. Yeah. So we met on Instagram because we're both sober and, uh, LGBTQ sober page, um, put out a call saying, Hey, let's make connections. Um, like comment here if you're, um, LGBTQ and sober. So I did like a raising my hand emoji in the comments and within 10 minutes of that, um, my partner now partner, um, messaged me and was like, Hey, how are you doing? And we struck up a conversation and have talked every day since. And now she lives in San Francisco. So we um, have been flying back and forth every month um, to see each other. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. So magical. Um, And being, I never thought, I never, I had never done anything sober. much less date right (laughs) yeah exactly what is this so we were facebook or facetiming constantly and then we decided to meet up last year and we met up in sedona um i picked her up in phoenix and we drove to sedona arizona which is just magical Hmm. and we spent the weekend together and everyone in my life was like you're meeting a stranger on the internet to spend (laughs) Mm -hmm. a weekend with her like a third party location. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And I had, I, the minute I, she came off the plane, I grabbed her hand Mm. and I did not let go of it. And it's, it's been like this magical, like sober love story. And I called, I, when she looked at Sunday, I called my mom and I just started sobbing. And I said, mom, this is the woman that I'm going to marry. Um, and now we are, we're engaged. 
You are? Yeah. Oh my Aww, god. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Aww. I'm just your whole story. I keep getting chills through this whole interview. This is so beautiful how your life is unfolding. It yeah, it's just gotten so much bigger and in mm. ways that I never I didn't and like in ways that I really didn't think I deserved when I was drinking either. And now I'm I see it like I deserve love and I deserve a really happy, healthy relationship and I deserve friends. And it's so fun to be like, to look back on who I was then and look at who I am now and be like, good job, Laura. Like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I do that too often. Like, look mm-hmm. at you renewing your driver's license. You <laughs> right? are so awesome, Sandra. Oh, um, you're going to get well, a mammogram. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Laura, I'm going to be super nosy. You can decline answering this, but when you get married, who's going to relocate? Well, yeah, we, let's talk, let's get to it. Let's let's try to get let's solve all this. Let's get her on the line. Uh, <laughs> we are planning on moving to a like a place together in May. Together, okay, got it. So y'all are gonna go on an adventure together, like yeah. a new place. Yes. So we're looking at Denver, LA, um, Santa Cruz, Austin was kind of on the table, but no offense, we're kind of scared because we're queer and the politics outside of Austin get kind of scary. For you're right. But you, in Austin, gay. you're in a wonderfully safe, safe gay yeah. bubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. But right. If you venture out, yeah, you're kind of on your own. But it's been so interesting, like her and I having those conversations of like researching. I was sharing with one of my friends that's straight, like yeah, we're researching like um, the safety of LGBTQ people and like what it looks like for LGBTQ people in different cities. And they were like, wow, I never thought, like they were like, I've never had to think like about my safety. Right, where would I be safe? Yeah, I know, I know. So many privileges on so many different levels that we don't, are never aware of. And I'm, yeah, and I'm even a white, like middle-class woman. So it's like, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, I already have so many privileges. But. So you'll have to get. So you'll have to get a new job. You'll you'll do the whole thing. You're just gonna start like here we go. Yeah, oh. I'm excited. It is oh. exciting. It, feels it is like exciting, and you're young, and you have your whole life ahead of you. It's it's very exciting. It's I'm yeah. excited for you. I'm excited that you're sober, that you're getting healthier, that you're in a loving relationship. I just want to like come back into your dream and hopefully this time I'll just give you a hug and say, look, you're doing it. So proud of you. Oh, Laura, this is really cool. Yeah. Did you ever think that this was possible? Never. Yeah. What do you say, Sandra? Like, Something about selling yourself short. Oh, like I love yeah. that. I can't. I can't like, get I, it. <laughs> like if I if I would have imagined my perfect world, I I would have sold myself short because yeah. it's it it's gone beyond my you know what any anything I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's just like we just don't know what's possible. We don't. I, I, not that we don't know it. We can't believe it, or that we can't think it's for us. Mm-hmm. You know, until you can remove one or two things from your life, 
And I know it sounds like an, maybe an overused phrase. I use it all the time. I like to doing the work. Like, what does that mean? Well, it's just generic because it's different for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and getting to the root of why you were drinking and knowing that, you know, like your eating addiction was your main addiction. And then, and then you were using these other things to self-medicate. Mm-hmm. And um, now you have intentionality about what medications you're on and the therapy that you're in and the art that you're making. Mm-hmm. I want to make art with you, Laura. Let's, I want to hang out at a table and let's make some things. Okay. I'm coming to Phoenix. <laughs> okay. Um, to my mom. So I want oh, to yeah. Yeah. Phoenix ladies. So I'll talk to Jill and, and I'll stay in touch with you and maybe we can make something happen in like the That'd first awesome. quarter or something. Yeah. That'll be fun. Jill's my, um, I don't want to say mom, but she's like my older caretaker where she checks in on me constantly. Oh, so she's lovely. sweet that way. Yeah, she's like the best older sister ever. Yeah, mm. you should go raid her closet. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> and you should take her out dancing, by the way, yes. sometime, just, just saying. with her. I'm constantly <laughs> trying to get her to dance after I heard about... Oh <laughs> my God. It'll she's blow good. your mind. Yeah, yeah I'm like... Jill, if I put on some '90s rap, will you? Uh huh. Yeah. What's that? What's that video thing that you can like? This is how old I'm gonna sound right now. What's that video thing that where you can sing and dance or sing to a song that's on the TV, like kind of like karaoke? Anybody? No. Is it an no. app? I don't know. No. It's not like Guitar Hero, but it was something like oh. that. Yeah, oh, it was about. a dance. Yeah. I, all right. Well, I, I lost it. Maybe okay. even just going to karaoke with Jill because <laughs> she knows all the words to all the songs mm-hmm. and she's got the moves. I love so it. He could like teach a workshop on that. Let's think, dream up a, a Phoenix workshop. Mm-hmm. Sandra, are you down for that? <laughs> sure. Like, let's go to Phoenix and let's do some art and dancing and giggling a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you come to San Francisco, let me know. That's an hour away from me, and I really don't like leaving my house ever. But if it works out, you know, I would love yeah. to. I would love to meet up. I'm planning on going to Laura McCowan's um, February book signing. Oh, good! I'll be there. Okay. Yeah, Yay. the one in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, because she oh, has one. Cool. I think uh, on a Saturday, and I think a bunch of um, a bunch of sober gals from Marin and Sonoma County are going to go down there too. Maybe we can do a big Sandra, February. Yeah. I, she's coming to Austin in February. Oh, so that's I, Okay. Do your own Austin thing. That'll be yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you. Okay. So we're, we got to wrap this up. I know, but I do appreciate you uh, just being so open. This was such a beautiful conversation. Mm. This is really fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, before we head to your three things. Okay. I got a comment on the memes that you're creating. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can you tell our listeners about these memes that you're creating? Because it's pretty profound what you're doing. Yeah. So I'm, I, it had happened after, so I have two hour, I have a two hour drive home from therapy and it, I just end up processing very intensely by myself in the car. And I kept thinking, I was like so blocked that day and I came home and I, I was like, I don't understand. She, she was like, Talk, we were talking about trauma and I was like, I don't understand my trauma. Like, what is it? And that sounds so stupid, but it's trauma is very complicated. So then I pulled out all these pictures of myself when I was little and I started um, making memes out of them with what I'm dealing with now. So I have like this picture of like 
me and next to a candy bowl when I was little. And it's like, I'm making this like really sly face. Like I'm about to steal all the candy. So I put like me pretending I'm not an addict and then drugs and alcohol was the candy. And you're so cute. I'm looking at that one right now. Adorable. (laughs) It's been really, it's been healing in a really, I didn't realize what I was doing until afterwards. And I was like, it's healing, like kind of a wild childhood part of me of like, that I didn't, that I didn't get, that wasn't seen until now. And I'm like, okay, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of honoring that little girl that was really struggling and no one, no one really knew. And I didn't know how to ask for help. And I feel like I'm kind of helping her rewrite the story. Mm-hmm. Well, the one with your two, she has a picture, Sandra, I don't know if you've seen it. It's of her with her two-year-old birthday cake. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so when she puts the words, I don't mind, I hope you don't mind me talking about, you're right here. I know you know this. Um, she puts the words over people's faces. So you're not seeing the family photo that you're seeing her mom's face, but there's words over her mom's face, but you see her body. And um, there's three people around Laura in this picture. And, and one of them says, my therapist slowly guiding me into this milestone without hurting myself. The other one is a little girl. It says, my own utter shock that I made it this far. And the other one is my last bit of serotonin trying to celebrate this huge <laughs> accomplishment. And then it's her blowing out this two-year candle, you know, and it says me turning two years sober. And those were what, you know, it's like the, the players, right? Mm-hmm. They're so great. I, I teach a little bit about self, self-portraits self and selfies um, in my class, and my workshop. And this is just beyond. This is kind of like that kind of work where we can look at ourselves and examine it and put some words to it and um, honor it too. You know? Yeah. So I love what you're doing. It's awesome. My favorite one is me. My It's my mom and my sister holding me up and they had obviously like just changed my diaper and I'm looking super proud. <laughs> I'm holding like, I think like a tube of diaper cream, but on my mom's face, I put my dietitian and then on my sister's face, I put my therapist and then in my hand, I put my new prescription meds mm-hmm. and it's just like me being like, and, and then it says me another day sober. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. yeah it's like so all cute. these things that are propping you up and you're yeah. all proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a silly question, but what app are you making this? <laughs> yeah. I'm doing it on Instagram stories and then I just, Oh, okay. I get it. And then you, yeah. Yeah. And then you save them. Mm-hmm. See, we need to know the nitty gritty Mod Podge Instagram stories. Okay, I got some things down here. We talk about. Well, we could talk to you forever, Laura. This was fantastic. Um, but we have to wrap it up. So we want to ask you to share with our listeners. This is the part of the show where we ask you for three tools that are in your um, recovery or creativity toolbox that our listeners can maybe um, get a glimpse into. Yeah. Um, so I have my cat first and foremost. Because Mm -hmm. we got her the, um, my roommate and I got her this summer, I was trying to get sober. And I would say to myself, you can either go to the bar or you can go home to your cat. And so (laughs) I just keep going home to my cat. Sobriety cat. I love it. What's your cat's name? Stormy. And she travels with me um, back home. And she's I have her like technically as an emotional support animal. So, and she truly is, Mm. she's been so helpful for me. Um, And my second one is my library card. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like that, right? We have similar ones so far. Yes. (laughs) Cause I, I, my therapist 
or someone will say something like my therapist was like, you should do yoga um, because it will help like move these feelings through your body and help you start connecting with your body. And so then I checked out six books about yoga and she was like, no, just go do it. And I was like, well, I have to read about it first. And mm-hmm. then <laughs> just understanding my addictions and understanding like reading about myself and reading other people's memoirs has been such a big part of my recovery too. Um, and then my third one is pictures, childhood pictures of myself. Mm. Um, because when I first, my very first month of sobriety, the way I celebrated was I took a picture of myself and I wrote all the milestones that I had accomplished that month, kind of like writing to my younger self. And then I did that every month. I, and then I would post a picture of it on Instagram like a little picture of me and then my milestones. And it's been a really cool way to just like connect back to myself. And, and I oh, yeah. have a picture of myself on my dresser when I was little. And I, um, when I'm having a hard time eating, I picture feeding her. Like I don't want to hurt this little perfect girl. And so Aww. I try to remember that that's still me. Oh, that's, it's been really helpful. That's so... That's so cool. You've shared so many really helpful things here, Laura. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I'm so happy to get to know you better. This is lovely. I know that we'll meet. So I think that's going to be, that's going to be fun for me. Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, maybe you'll dream about me. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Seeing your dreams, (laughs) I'll try to get you in there. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much, Laura. Yeah. Thank you both. All right. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.